You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. This week's sermon is taught by lead pastor Benjamin Emery. Well, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Benjamin, and I'm so pleased that you came out to celebrate and remember our Savior, that he was born into this world. God came to this world. It's such an amazing concept if we can just focus on it and forget all the other noise that we keep hearing. So let's just pray and ask God to be here with us. Lord Jesus, in a day and age full of such fear and confusion, we pray that you would help our hearts to focus on the most important message in this world. God, give us hope and give us faith for those who don't yet believe. Lord, give them a heart that would believe. Help us. We need you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas. It's a popular, popular phrase, isn't it? Or at least it was at one time. The Mary means be joyful. Be joyful. It's a tradition that dates back to about the 19th century when people started to say Merry Christmas to each other. But the tradition of Christmas or celebrating Christmas Day goes back many, many centuries before that, back to the year 313 AD. It was first celebrated in a city called Constantinople, which is now modern Istanbul in Turkey. This is where the first Christmas took place, December 25th. And for 1,709 years, We, believers, have celebrated this. We have stopped what we were doing. Christmas is two words put together, Christ and Mass. Mass, we can really think of as a service or a time of celebration or a time of remembrance of Christ. When we, believers, pause, when we stop the busyness of our lives and we focus and we remember and we find hope, Be joyful. Be joyful. That's maybe not an easy thing to find in our day, is it? There doesn't seem to be a lot of joy floating around. We've all seen and experienced different things throughout our lives. I've seen a lot of evil things in my life, and some of you have and had those things done to you. Some of you have a lot of memories from the past that will crowd in and try and stomp out the joy of Christmas. There are people that we love that have been, it seems, consumed by the evil of this world. There are people suffering in their bodies, suffering in their minds, and suffering of a broken heart. For many, joy seems like a far-off dream, or something from a distant, distant past. For many Christians, for many of you, 
You'll be separated from your loved ones by restrictions, by death, and by sin. It's not going to be an easy Christmas for everyone. We find ourselves exhausted from two years of perpetually hoping that just around the corner, this will all be done. For some of you, I know you're struggling with a lot of physical pain. And some of you have had some diagnosis in the last year that dims the brightness of your life. For some of you, I know that this Christmas will be painful because there are challenges with your spouses, challenges with your kids, hardships with your grandkids, and friendships that you wish you still had. If we're honest, Christmas can sometimes be hard. We see what things going on in the world. We see powers in the East brokering and jockeying to outmaneuver the dwindling powers of the West. We know our brothers and sisters around the world, many tens of millions of them will suffer in hardship and persecution throughout the Christmas season. And we are challenged to find hope for our children in the generation that we live in. But we're not the first to struggle. We're not the first to yearn for a different time. We are not the first to want to see brighter days. Sometimes I try and think back to what it was like 2,000 years ago for that cast of characters that walked the streets of Israel 2,000 years ago. What was it like for them? Did they struggle? Did they grasp for hope? Did they yearn for brighter days? I think of Mary, innocent 14-year-old Mary, who every day would most likely have to carry jugs of water from the town well back to her home multiple times a day, who would by hand crush the grain so that they could prepare a simple meal for the, the men when they came back from a long day's work. I think of Mary's few prospects in a time when women were very vulnerable. I think of Joseph. Joseph, a man who most likely worked from sun up to sundown who had few promotional prospects, who in his spare time was building a mud hut probably on, on the side of his parents' existing house so that he and his future bride could, could move into this one-bedroom place. There was little chance of assistance, little chance of promotion for Joseph. Life was challenging. I see the shepherds living their solitary existence out in the wilderness, in the mountains, in the desert, with their flocks. And I can picture Anna. Anna, whose life at one time looked so bright, she was newly married to the man of hopefully her dreams. And then after seven years, tragedy struck, and Anna was left a widow. And for 80 Four years she waited and hoped and yearned for something 
great to happen. They, those people, were a lot like you and I. They struggled like you and I do. And a time that we can find many similarities to. 400 years and God hadn't moved. 400 years and God hadn't spoken. 400 years of ritual and formalities of corrupt governments and corrupt religious officials. 400 years of hoping that the Messiah would come, grasping for joy. Let me ask you, did their future seem very bright? Did it seem like hope was just around the corner? But the Bible says, and then, and then the angel came to Mary and said, Rejoice, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Favor comes from the Greek word implying grace, unearned grace and favor to her, to this 14-year-old girl. Nobody knows her name. And then the Bible tells us the angel came to Joseph, Joseph, son of David. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then the angel appears to the shepherds and says, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news with great joy. That will be for all people. Joy is the product of the recognition of favor and grace. Let me say that again. Joy comes from the recognition of favor and grace in your life. That's why it can't be found in the world outside of God. And then, after Jesus was born into a feeding trough, surrounded by animals, they took baby Jesus, God incarnate, to the temple, and there sitting was Anna. The Bible tells us at that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and speak to him, speak to them about him and all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. It would seem that these men and women whose circumstances were dire, whose lives were full of adversity, who lived in a kingdom surrounded by many evil men, found hope and joy. They seemed to find it from a source that was not of this world. They seemed to be reminded and come to the understanding that God was not out of the picture. It reminds me of a scene from one of my favorite books, Lord of the Rings. When Frodo is despairing, and Gandalf reminds him, he says, there are other forces at work in the world besides the will of evil. There in the middle of the world, a force greater than the evil that surrounded them acted. Light came into the world, and with him, favor for man, and with him, hope for humankind. 
and with him joy for those who would embrace him. Isaiah, the prophet, says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Light dawned through a baby who was both fully God and fully man, who was tempted and tried in every way that we have been or could be and yet was without sin. Isaiah 53 says, He took up our pain and bore our suffering and yet We considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, he was healed. That's why the angel told Joseph his name will be Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. The situation for this cast of Christmas characters that we know so well, was real, and it was hard. But God had given them favor because he came to be with them. He gave them grace and peace with God and hope for a future. And that is the message of Christmas. That is where we get the Mary from Christmas. You can't be merry at Christmas time without this message. So now we find ourselves living in difficult days. It can seem like the darkness seems to be closing in. Like the clouds seem to be covering up that light that came into the world. Like the age of the church in the West is fading out. And that some other age seems to be coming forward. And yet, the Christmas story tells us something. It's that God is not done yet. 2,000 years ago, light dawned. But it has not reached its peak yet. For there is coming a day when the second Christmas will happen. Yes, I said the second Christmas will come. It is the second coming of Christ when he will come back to this earth. In Titus chapter 2 verse 11, it says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to everyone. That is the past. It instructs us to renounce ungodliness and unworldly passions and live a sensible and upright and godly lives in this present age. That's the now. As we await the blessed hope and glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the future. That's the second Christmas that we are called to look forward to. The first Christmas, he came as a baby in weakness and in poverty. The second Christmas, he will come in power and in glory to assert his will over the entire earth. The first Christmas, the door of the inn was shut in his face. But in the second Christmas, the doorway of heaven will open and out will ride the king of kings. The first Christmas... He came in secrecy. 
But in the second Christmas, the Bible tells us, every eye will see, every ear will hear the blast of the trumpet as the king comes back. The first Christmas, very few people bowed to him. But at the second Christmas, every knee will bow by choice or by force. At first Christmas, he came as a suffering servant. But as a second Christmas, he will come as the judge to judge the living and the dead and to give reward to those who yearn for his appearing. The first Christmas, he came with just Mary and Joseph by his side. But at the second Christmas, the Bible says he will come with the armies of heaven behind him. At first Christmas, he came to the kingdom of men to deal with the sin and the punishment of sin in men's hearts. But at the second Christmas, he will come to build a new and everlasting kingdom on earth where there is no more sin. That first Christmas, he came to wear a crown of thorns and suffer on the cross. But at the second Christmas, he will come wearing the crown of all kings in his might and glory. The Bible tells us that in the days of the first Christmas, people had almost lost hope that the Messiah would even come. And the Bible tells us That in the time just before the second Christmas, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. We hope, I hope, that the days for our country's future will be bright, and there will be revival, and there will be faith. And there will be laughter and there will be happiness once again in our nation. I hope for those things. And yet, I also understand that the reality might be that the days may grow darker. That the love of many may grow colder. But the hope in us can never be snuffed out. We carry on the 1,709th Christmas celebration in history. You get to be a part of that tomorrow. When we remember that God came to bring us favor, to give us favor. He came so that we could have joy regardless of what is happening out there. To give us a hope that cannot be restricted in our hearts. And even if our whole country forgets about this great joy and makes this time about other things. They cannot extinguish that joy from our hearts. That is my prayer for you tomorrow. That you won't go home and click on the news and be depressed, but you'll go home rejoicing that God came into this world. That you will really get the merry part of Christmas. Your lights represent Christ coming into the world, Christ living in you, and that light that will someday come bursting back just in the darkest period of history. As I close, I want to close you with one of my favorite psalms. 
I changed the I to we, that it, we, this be our prayer as we go out. Psalm 25. Lord, we appeal to you. My God, we trust in you. Do not let us be disgraced. Do not let our enemies gloat over us. No one who waits for you will be disgraced. Those who act treacherously without cause will be disgraced. Make your ways known to us, Lord. Teach us your paths. Guide us in your truth and teach us, for you are the God of our salvation. We wait for you all day long. Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love, for, we have, for they have existed from antiquity. Do not remember the sins of our youth or the acts of our rebellion. In keeping with your faithful love, remember us because of your goodness, Lord. Merry Christmas. Have a good night and go be a joy in this world. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.